Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Fletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people and others in the autism community to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. So many of my favorite people are autistic, but there are also parents of autistic people that I have the highest regard for. However, at times, these communities can have much disagreement with one another. On this episode of Autism Stories, we talk with Tiffany Joseph, an autistic parent, about how both sides can better work together to get the things they want and need in their lives. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Tiffany, thanks so much for joining us today. I wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autism community begin? Okay, so my personal story uh, begins way after I was really in the autism community because my both of my parents have an autistic sister and my grandfather is as well, my biological grandfather, um, and my brother is as well. Uh, but I didn't personally find out about myself until my first year in college. I had just turned 19. Um, I had just been thrown into adulthood after having, I would say, a successful school life in childhood, um, like with academics. So everybody thought academics means that you can be a good adult, which obviously in my case did not work. In college, I was actually experiencing my first of two autistic burnouts, um, and that's really when an autistic person um, can no longer keep up that mask of, of norm normality or normality, and um, I had severe depression, anxiety, I was staying up like 18 hours a day, and I just lost a lot of, a lot of, like, coping skills, basically. So I was sent to, I think, the psychology department or counseling or something where um, after a few sessions I was told I um, had Asperger's amongst the depression and anxiety. And things. Uh, but I didn't really understand, or under, I didn't understand what that meant at the time. So um, the way it was put to me was that it just meant I was smart academically and maybe had some social awkwardness, which was, like, obvious to me. So I didn't looking it up or anything. Uh, plus, my depression was um, more, one more pressing issue at the time. So fast forward some years, and now I'm in my 30s. I'm going through what feels like the same kind of feeling, the burnout, losing skills, being, like, really depressed. And, um, again, I was sent to the uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, 
therapist, and it turned out um, that I was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Now, this was different this time because um, I had young kids, and um, from some of the traits I was reading about, I noticed that, uh, well, my oldest son had some of the traits, and then later down the line, my daughter was diagnosed in school with it, but it was just different because I was older, I was more mature, there was a lot more information this time, and I kind of had to be a little bit more knowledgeable because my kids were about to go through that process. Your Instagram account, uh, Nye Functioning Autism, is without a doubt one of the my favorite accounts to follow. I was wondering, I was wondering for you, why was it so important for you to start uh, your account on Instagram, which has developed into quite an impressive following? It was important for uh, several reasons. Um, first, I didn't see a lot of Black autistic people. Um, when I did these searches, and I also started off consuming only things that were, um, that pertain to autistic people. But when my kids were diagnosed, I realized many things that I assumed as an autistic person um, were not as cut and dry when you're the parent of an autistic child, which is um, vastly different. So basically, I got tired of the fighting on both sides, and I know that from having experiences on both sides that I could help each side understand each other, and that um, we should be working together as opposed to fighting each other, uh, specifically because we are on the same side. When, it, when I hear autistic people... Um, you know, having struggles, and I hear parents having struggles, they're almost always the same struggles. But what it is, is it's the system that's not helping us. So I'm trying to get us all on one side um, to fight the system that is not working for us. So that's really what I feel uh, when I came across uh, Instagram and doing my account. Regarding parents who maybe have just had their child uh, recently diagnosed, what advice would you give to them? There's two things. There's like the mindset kind of thing, and then there are the actionable items and steps they need to take. So first, I think the mindset is the most important part. Basically, I hear a lot of parents say they have regrets about not um, not enjoying their children when they're little because they're they're always so worried about therapies, they're always so worried about getting the right school, potty training, this or, this or that. There's just so much going on in the mind of a new parent. I think um, new parents should just stop, don't do any research for a couple of weeks, and just enjoy their kid, enjoy their kid's work, their traits, um, their skins. Observe observe their child. Don't try to rush around and have the perfect uh, therapeutic circumstance or try to change your child in any way. I think there's a lot of pressure 
from other parents, from society in general, from you know, professionals, from schools. I just, I would say just forget all about that and just enjoy your child, at least for like the first, I don't know, three or four months, you know. Um, you'll see that your child is the same child before diagnosis. And I just want people to, to get out of that mindset that they have to continuously do more and, and rush around. That leaves the child, in a way, without a present parent, you know. And we deserve to have present parents and parents that, uh, are not feeling guilty about everything and not rushing around trying to figure out what to do next, just like neurotypical kids and non-disabled kids do. We, we deserve that type of relaxed spirit. So I, I think that would be the best thing as far as mindset goes. Um, as far as actionable steps, I would say as soon as the kid's diagnosed to get on just do the few uh, waivers and look for grants, and that's about that's about it. Get on the waivers and and look for for grants, and that's it. When kids are diagnosed, especially those that are maybe a little bit younger when they're diagnosed, um, they don't always know that they have been diagnosed on the spectrum. So I'm wondering, when do you think it would be a good time for parents to tell their child that um, they are autistic? I think the day they find out, they should probably start mentioning it. Now, I know with little kids, they're not going to understand. Some might not be able to communicate. That doesn't mean that child is not experiencing on the inside of their differences or starting to realize that they're different from other children, other adults, and you don't want your kids to be pulled by other kids or other adults or to overhear about their diagnosis. You want to be the first one to be there with the correct information, the accurate information. Let them know uh, they may struggle with this because they're autistic. But they also have these strengths. And not a one-time conversation. So I know a lot of parents feel pressure about how they're going to tell their kids they're autistic. Like they feel like they can get it wrong or right when that's just not the case. You're going to talk to your kids about their autism for years to come. Um, first of all, they're not going to remember the first time you said it if they're young. Second of all, their understanding is going to get wider and deeper um, as they start to realize their relationship with the rest of the earth, the rest of the people. And they're going to have more questions for you. And if they can't communicate, you should be trying to head those questions off at the past, like before um, they start to get anxiety or, or feel uh, bad about their diagnosis. You, you always want to be that person that talks about autism to them and, and do it in a way that's honest but isn't gloom and doom at the same time. Now, being a parent takes a ton of effort and energy, especially when you have to deal with educational and medical systems that 
may not or definitely don't understand the needs of your child. What are some things you've learned to maybe protect your energy to meet your own needs and your child's at the kind of same time? So this is one of the things I think I, I kind of have an advantage of um, already knowing that I'm autistic before um, having to deal with this stuff with my kids is that I can kind of filter out what things are, are not going to work and what things are going to work. But at the same time, what I've seen with my um, non-autistic parent friends is that they spend a lot of energy um, when their kids are young, but this is a lifetime fight. You don't want to get worn out. I'm not saying you will always have to fight the system. You won't always have to, to deal with terrible medical people or educational staff, but sometimes you will. So you really need to pick and choose your battle, for one, and that's with the world, like, when it comes to your kids at home, when it comes to who you argue with on the internet, you really need to like pick your battles and, and save your energy. But also, um, I don't deal with uh, judgment from the general public at all, and that saves my energy. I don't care about sharing, I don't care about educating them, I really don't care at all about the general public simply because I know I'm probably going to have to deal with um, getting services, you know, for the next few years. I, 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 I save my energy by not dealing with them at all. I try to keep, keep what I, I know within the autism community, and I try to save our, um, our fight within us so we keep that energy going within mm -hmm. our, our, our community. Now, in thinking about the needs of the, of the parent, um, one of your posts on Instagram um, brought up that not just autistic parents, but neurotypical parents oftentimes forget about their sensory needs. Uh, wh why do you think this is the case? I, I think it just comes from not having to deal with their senses throughout their entire lives. A lot of people have told me they didn't even know they had or didn't think about sensory needs, which to an autistic person, that's crazy because that's literally, that guides our days. And I can see in neurotypical or non-disabled people, I can see their, their sensory issues clearly. So for, for people not to understand that they have their own sensory needs and challenges, it's different for me, but... I think that parents or neurotypical parents don't spend enough time taking care of their sensory needs, which an autistic person can't do. Like, we have to. So, yeah, so if your kids are, you know, being loud or moving too much or just doing whatever, I never ask my kids to stop swimming or stop taking care of their sensory needs. Um, so first, I will always try to take care of mine before I ask them to do any changes. Like, um, I always have my um, headphones on. I can um, get music. I can take a walk or what have you. I definitely don't let myself get to the point of overload. Um, but if I can't, like if we're in a small enclosed space, I do not hesitate in asking them to um, 
stem quietly or go to a different place to stem or, you know, what have you. But definitely my sensory needs are just as important, and so are every parent as their kids. Now, you mentioned on um, Instagram that uh, neurotypical parents need to realize and acknowledge that they are oppressive to the autistic community and is harming progress um, in, in their children. What, what do you see as some common examples of this oppression? I would have to say my most challenging one is the parent bubble. So you'll see on Facebook groups or in, in real life, I'm usually the only autistic adult around a group of parents who have autistic kids. And this goes for the groups too. And what I see that happens a lot is they'll give advice, they'll, they'll talk about things, but they don't listen to a different perspective. They don't even sometimes allow an autistic perspective to come in. And it's just strange to me because their kids have that autistic perspective. So I think if you're going to be with, you know, if you're, if you're going to do anything for a group of people, you need to have at least 50% of those people in that group talking with you so you can get perspectives from the inside, but I, I see a lot of parents talk to each other, and a lot of the things I think are not helpful, or um, there's a lot of venting and support, but I don't see a lot of actionable steps that people can take, so I just think that in that bubble, sometimes they just do not let outside experiences in, especially autistic the other thing is we are generally unemployed or underemployed. There's about like, I think it was 85% of us are underemployed at least and uh, over 50 are unemployed. So we as, a, as a, a community, a group, we don't have a lot of resources. I mean, basically our main resource in the entire autism community is our experiences and our um, opinions. But parents have money, they have their own opinions, they have their own experiences, um, but the funding is really where I see the oppression because you can have a group of people that say one thing, like autistic people, but then you can have a group of parents that have a totally different opinion, but they actually have the money and the power and they're working in high executive environments, things that we're not. They have the money to get their experiences pushed into law, and we don't. I'd say the, the biggest key to that uh, or the biggest like, symbol of that is the cliff of services. So... At age 22, you stop getting all services. Or is it 21? It's 22 in my state, but I know it's 21 in some others. So you fall off this cliff of services because, and this is the way I see it, 
parents need help right now. What they fight for are things for what their children need now. Well, by the time their child has turned 21, there are no services. No autistic adult can think about or cannot think about the services after that age. So what I think happened, and I'm, I'm not sure, this is just from what I've seen in the community for a few years, is that the parents fight for what they need now, and they they get that because they have the voices, they have the, the um, funding. But if autistic people were running um, these organizations and these lobbying groups, there would be services forever. So I think that is one symptom of just having one voice in the community. Is in the, the click of services is my symbol for for that because it. There's no way if we were fighting that, that would ever be law. Well, the frustrating thing about that is in most cases, autistic people are adults twice as long as they are children. What, what about for parents that, that maybe they realize, maybe I'm intentionally being ableist, maybe I'm doing something to harm my child. What, what can I as a parent um, do to change that? zone of forgiveness and a guilt-free zone. So kids are, are awesome at forgetting things as long as you fixed it at some point in their childhood. So they probably won't remember or won't really care if something got better. So I don't think parents should feel guilty as long as they're continuously looking for uh, things that help. And when they, they feel they've harmed their child, just be honest. Tell your kids. I don't care if they can speak or not. Just be honest with your kids at all times and tell them you have made a mistake or you feel you've made a mistake. You know, you don't have a lot of resources. And this is, this is the reason you made that mistake, but you're going to try to do better. Kids are, are so forgiving, and they, they love their parents. So they're not going to, you know, hold a grudge. As long as you be corrected, just move on from that. Now, you're part of the autistic adult community, and you're also a parent, and definitely those communities uh, clash at times. So I'm wondering how being the intersection of those two kind of identities for you, do you feel like has made you a better parent? I would say as far as knowing what kind of, so, so being in these two communities has really helped uh, my parenting skills. For one, I'm, I don't feel as bad as I used to when I would make a mistake with the kids because I see how some, some small mistakes like get parents, they feel, they feel like, like failures and, and they say like things like that when... Um, as far as I know, parenting is like a social contract where you do the best you can and you just make mistakes and you have to move on from that. Um, so I, seeing how some of these parents are destitute over what I feel are, are not huge things that their kids are going to be upset about has really made me uh, a little bit more self-forgiving as a parent. 
Well, Tiffany, uh, I've been following you for quite a, a long time on Instagram, and I'm so thankful um, today to have the time to uh, speak with you. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks so much to Tiffany for the conversation. To learn more about Tiffany and her Instagram account, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. You can also find a link to book a free call to learn how Autism Personal Coach can help you to reduce your daily overwhelm and get the things you need and want in your life. So book a call with me today. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk about being autistic in Kenya. Talk to you then.